0: Stop wasting my time
1: You know what I want You know what I need Oh maybe you don't
2: Do I have to come write that right out?
3: Hey there, podcast listeners. Ghost host Andy Lindbergh here, and I wanted to remind you that we're still crowdfunding for our 2014 road trip to Southeast Oregon. We make this podcast for free. In fact, it costs us money to produce the podcast and host the website. And despite what you may have heard in the Oregon history community, the whispers on the street, Kickass Oregon History is not gobbling up the grant money. In fact, we don't really qualify for any grants. So, we need your support. We're about $500 away from being fully funded for our road trip, and we'd love to know that we closed that distance through the support of regular podcast listeners like you. We've teamed up with Oregon crowdfunding platform Insighted.org, And if you head on over to ORhistory.com, you can give us some money. Five, ten, fifteen, as much as you can share with us to make more Great Oregon Stories. And then come August, we'll head out to Southeast Oregon, a part of the state that we don't know very much about, to find more stories to tell to you. We appreciate your support, and with your help, we'll continue to tell Great Oregon Stories. Thanks. You stay historic and kick ass. It is October
2: 2nd, 2013,
0: about... 4.50 4.50 a.m. It is so fucking cold that the resident historian can't even feel his balls. But somebody has to get up to cook the children breakfast. This is some cold-ass, kick-ass Oregon history.
1: You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice
3: our love. Welcome. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked-out history folks at orhistory.com. I'm your host, Andy Lindberg, and under the guidance of resident historian Doug Kent Crispin, we profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction Basically, the good stuff.
2: You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. You want paradise, but someday you'll pay the price
3: recently. A public school in Portland, Oregon, experienced the effects of the federal government shutdown firsthand. The school had been planning for six months a field trip to Crater Lake National Park. Students found out the day before they were to leave that Crater Lake was closed.
0: What do you think about not being able to go to Crater Lake? I think it Super sucks.
3: It <laughs> Even before the shutdown part, the original school plan was very ambitious and pretty fucking hardcore. Take 104 fourth, fifth, and sixth grade students up to 5,000 feet in October in Oregon run a four-day, three-night outdoor school-type program, but completely self-contained. No cabins, no dining hall, all outdoors. And this wasn't some contracted educational program administered by the MESD or OMSI, both of which are exceptional programs. No, this school program was planned, organized, and implemented by teachers and parents. Tents and some sleeping bags were rented from REI and PSU's outdoor program. An RV was picked up in Eugene to serve as an infirmary. And parents, including an MD, a naturopathic doctor and a nurse, comprised the medical staff. Propane crab cookers and other field kitchen equipment was collected from parents and grandparents for preparing meals and hot drinks. Food was purchased at Costco and Cash and Carry to be cooked by Parent Volunteers.
0: And then the federal government shut down. I went to the Crater Lake National Park Service website to give depth to the research of this podcast, but I was redirected with this very standard greeting.
3: Because of the federal government shutdown, all national parks are closed... And National Park Service web pages are not operating. For more information, go to www.doi.gov. So guess what they did, dear ass kicker? The school just up and went anyway.
0: Crater Lake Park is the fifth oldest national park and the only national park in Oregon. The park is the location of the infamous Mount Mazama, which we featured in our Volcanoes podcast and the resulting lake.
3: We spoke with one of the teachers from the school who told us about the ambitious trip.
0: So uh, this Doug Kent Crispin and I am with Ned, one of the teachers that uh, is here with this trip. Ned, can you tell us kind of what the original scope of the
2: trip was?
4: Hi, Doug. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, the original scope of the trip was to explore national, to our first stop in our exploration of national parks around the country by visiting the crown jewel of the Cascades, Crater Lake. Um, but here we are with a different agenda and a different curriculum because we have the government shutdown has closed Crater Lake to us as well as the national forest campsite we were supposed to camp in. But I want to applaud all the people here for just being so flexible because, man, you guys made it happen. And we here we are at this great campsite, and we're ready to go for the next step.
3: Remember that money you spent on those killer Crater Lake license plates? Looks like the money didn't go to the kids after all.
0: And then what if we had to cut out in terms of, you know, with Crater Lake being closed and so on? I mean, obviously the the curriculum's
4: changed a bit. Well, as a matter of fact, it's completely changed, and we're really um, playing it by ear right now. Uh, the Crater Lake license plates, the Oregon Crater Lake license plates, pay for something called Classroom at Crater Lake, which was free to us. We had access to rangers, National Park Service rangers, to teach us a science and uh, culture and, and um, interpretive, um, other interpretive things for the site. Uh, um, we had a tour, a trolley tour around the rim of the lake, on the, on the rim road, uh, uh, so we had a lot of curriculum that was offered to us. All that is cut off because of the government shutdown. So what we're doing now is we're trying to say salvage. We know that there's great experiences to be had down here anyways, and so we're trying to come up with what they are. It wasn't what we planned, but we're thinking on our feet. What was kind of the overriding themes that you were going to present to the, to the students this week and are continuing
0: to present even with the challenges you face?
4: Well, um, these kids are involved in what's called a storyline, which is a taking a bit of curriculum and putting it into the grammar of a story. So there's character, plot, setting, um, incidents in the plot. One of the incidents in the plot was that these children were... Um, invited to be interns in a, a, a ranger intern program. And this was, this Crater Lake trip was the training of those ranger interns. So, um, uh, they the um, activity would have been, they would have researched the history, cult, the natural history, the cultural history, the flora, the fauna, uh, the recreational possibilities, safety issues at Crater Lake. And then they would take that back to the classroom and then apply that same uh, methodology to other national parks in the country. So, this was going to be a big basis for this, the study to come. So, we're really having to think on our feet here. So well, I think you're doing a fantastic job. And, thanks, Doug. Uh, even though it's awful cold. I know it's, a cold. <laughs> you can't do anything it's super cold, but isn't it beautiful it's here? It's lovely.
3: And it good.
4: Thanks, Nick. You right. Thanks, Doug.
3: Jackson F. Kimball State Park was chosen as the new base of exploration, a reasonable drive from Crater Lake. For all of you Oregon history geeks, and face it, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an Oregon history geek, Kimball State Park is near the original site of historic Fort Klamath. And while it was certainly no crater lake, it's a very beautiful location at the headwaters of the Wood River. From Kimball, you can see the spring bubbling out of the rocks forming the lagoon that is the headwaters of this river. The site had a circle of 10 primitive camping sites, so the maximum capacity might be 80 folks or so, but about 150 students and adults dropped down into this aspen-tree location to set up camp. The site was primitive, meaning just two outhouse shitters and no running water. Nonetheless, the Oregon State Parks really stepped up and brought in three extra porta-potties, and the site became a little more livable. So, Crater Lake was closed, but the students decided they wanted to go see for themselves and ask National Park Service Rangers some rather pointed questions.
0: I am with a sixth grade parent, Gwen, who went with a teacher in the student group today who defied the federal ban. Can you tell us what you did, Gwen?
5: Well. We walked up to the entrance of Crater Lake National Park. It was a very interesting and surreal experience today because it was completely roped off with a sign on it that said the government has shut down and we are not allowed to enter the park. We interdu- uh, interviewed, the students interviewed, a very kind park ranger who explained the role, the complicated and mixed role that he has to play today in turning people away from the park. Uh, we then moved on and uh, just felt the need, uh, we felt the spirit of Woody Guthrie, really. This land is our land. And we found a, a trail and drove up to a now sort of defunct entrance and we took a walk. Uh, on our land, and we looked across the horizon, looked at the pinnacles, uh, looked at some amazing geological formations, and I was really inspired by the—I think—the positive energy I felt in um, the in the with the children that I was walking with today. They were excited, they wanted to be there, they had deep respect for what they were seeing, and. It just felt like a completely affirmed experience, this is what we should be doing today, it's a beautiful sunny day and we should be celebrating our forests and our beautiful Oregon landscape. And you didn't need any permission? No we didn't, we did quite well on our own, Uh, everyone had a buddy and everyone was very safe and seemed to be very responsible in their hiking and just took joy in the landscape uh, it was incredible and i'm just so proud to be an Oregonian and i'm really excited that my kids get to grow up here
3: thank you so much yeah. the students had a good grasp of what specifically was the cause of their topsy-turvy field trip while the details may be hazy the gist of the causation was not
0: what happened when you went to crater lake
6: well we couldn't get in why not government shut down
0: do you know why they shut down?
6: Some decision thing.
0: What do you think about it?
6: Sort of weird that they would just shut down all of <laughs> all just because of simple decision.
0: What do you mean? Mmm. I like that idea. What do you mean? Go with that some more.
6: Well, there was some choice between the Republicans didn't like the health thing. Uh-huh. I don't know much more
3: about it. And if the specific reason for the shutdown was a bit esoteric for the students, the flashing police lights and an armed ranger with a pistol and a taser greeting them in the morning put everything in perspective. We spoke with one of the teachers who approached Crater Lake's Checkpoint Charlie.
0: Well, this is Doug Kent Crispin, and I am chatting with a teacher uh, from the school who uh, we're with down towards Crater Lake. And I understand you went towards the lake today.
7: Yes, we did. We went all the way up to the headquarters, try, trying to get into the, trying to get into the park.
0: And how did that go?
7: Well, we were greeted by several park rangers um, and flashing lights and. Um, no access to the park. Park was closed.
0: See, I heard another group said, "You know what? Screw that. We're going into the park anyways." And I heard another group of students, along with their chaperones, did. They decided that uh, the rules of the federal government closing didn't necessarily apply to them.
7: Well, we we did manage to find a trail that allowed us to get in and look over the pinnacles. Beautiful, beautiful area. And uh, so. We, we did get to see a little bit of the park, this is true.
0: So tell me, how has the curriculum changed from when we left Portland Tuesday morning to being here right now?
7: Um, I guess the main piece is that we were gonna be working with rangers up at the rim. We were gonna get an opportunity to learn about the geology, uh, wildlife plants of the park, um, and take hikes within the, around the rim of the lake. Um, it's change in the sense that we've really had to um, think on our feet and look at the resources around here, which the the other agencies around have really stepped up. Um, we've had a chance to to do some some hikes to learn about the the history of Oregon more from a uh, the logging industry. There's a great logging museum nearby. Um, that that we went to. Um, the team building, the relationship building, the social dynamics, um, that really hasn't changed. But in terms of the U.S. history aspect, where I'm really helping the kids to understand uh, National Park Service, the role that the National Park Service plays um, has been diminished greatly. They're learning uh, more about the civics end of things.
0: And in general, do you feel that there's a, a, a mood about this trip? From the children, that is at all
7: negative. Um, there is a disappointment. There was a def, there was a definite disappointment from the kids. Um, they met a, they met a ranger who was eloquent, kind, um, firm about why he wasn't able to let them in. He spent forty five minutes answering their questions, um, and there were some tears. Um, and some disappointment, for sure, from the group. They really wanted to get into the lake, but I think that they're—I mean—they're um, I mean, they're having a great time here at the campsite that we were able to find on a on a on a step, and so that part is fa- fabulous.
0: Did you get any uh, pictures of the children crying in front of the ranger? I mean, that gets crazy hits on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just a done deal.
7: Um, there is a parent who has been photo-documenting this entire experience, and he may have zoomed in. on on a couple, but um, I think it was uh, some of the adults, too, I have to say. There was one child in particular who was so eloquent. It was kind of like out of the mouths of babes, and he he, uh, let the ranger know how he was feeling about not being able to get into the park, and there were some non-dry eyes in the bunch.
0: Well, thank you very much. Just as a parent, I'm really, really enjoying this trip. And we didn't get to go to Crater Lake, and, you know, that kind of sucks. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's just been a wonderful time with the children and you guys
2: at the staff.
7: Yeah, thanks. We're here. We're together. It's beautiful. And this is what it's all about. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you.
3: Some who witnessed the scene at the gate described it as an act of civil disobedience by little four- and five-foot-high children walking up the road towards the closed sign, determined to ask the ranger why they couldn't visit their park.
8: I had a dream, dream I was dying to see you again. But when I woke, the world was on fire, dying.
2: I saw the sun burst into flame And all
9: at once, everything changed For the better it seemed Like it does
2: in the dream Sometimes
3: But the school group wasn't a bunch of sticks in the mud. One of the rangers stopped by their camp at Kimball as a dinner guest.
0: This is Doug Kent Cain- Crispin, and joining us for dinner tonight at our Oregon State Park is one of the rangers from Crater Lake National Park. And her name is Emily. Emily, I'm glad that you could join us tonight for our chicken tour.
10: I'm super glad to be here. I had a delicious uh, tofu vegetable sauce on that, my bus. That's pasta. right, because
0: we make a vegan version of all of our, our meals, of course, because <laughs> we're from Multnomah County, uh, even though we're down here. So, uh, tell me, Emily, uh, your perspective. You know, we had 104 students and uh, nearly 50 adults uh, ready to go to Crater Lake and which is of course an Oregon treasure in addition to being a uh, federal national park and so we came down to this trip and we were told that the park was closed and obviously uh, you work at the park you are a federal employee you certainly have a unique perspective what can you tell us
10: well i was sitting around the table with my fellow rangers on monday and we were planning out all the adventures we were going to have with this group And two of us were here three years ago with the the group before, so we were extra excited because we know how big a deal this trip is and how much you uh, plan for it, prepare for it. We wanted to be a part of it. Uh, We had great plans despite the snow on the ground. We were just going to forge forward, find new trails, and make a new adventure. And then it all fell apart. We've just been sitting around, twiddling our thumbs, watching more snow fly. Uh, this has been my greatest pleasure to come down and see what you have made of this trip. I am so impressed by this crew and just the sound behind us right now is <laughs> testament to the fact that where there's a will, a great educational field trip can always happen. It doesn't matter where you are. And yes, one of Oregon's most amazing treasures is right up the road. But I think the real, the real gem is right here in this group and the energy and enthusiasm that you've brought forth.
0: Excellent. Well, I thank you. I mean, that's, that's a great perspective. I do really appreciate it. And I'm glad you could join us for dinner.
10: Me too. This is some of the best hot chocolate I've had. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that hot chocolate was made from little packets opened up by 12-year-olds who added a little sprinkle of love.
10: Excellent. I can taste every bit of it. Thanks. <laughs> thank you.
3: The children were seeing the effects of a shutdown from a very unique perspective. What happened with
0: the Crater Lake today? Why didn't you guys go to Crater Lake?
6: Um, Government, shutdown. government
0: shutdown. Why did it shut down? Uh,
6: because... Stupid, <laughs> jerky Republicans. <laughs> because why? Stupid, jerky Republicans. What'd they do? They said, we're too because lazy to work, we... but we get paid and you don't because you're doing your jobs so and we're not...
2: <laughs>
6: because, like, okay, just because we don't like per... health health care for everyone. They, they don't, don't like, the rich for like, we should get yeah, well, health care for everyone. They a problem with health care. They're having problems with health care, so they just decided to shut down every national park in the U.S.A. Well, what do you think of that? In national parks, I think that's I stupid. Think they're they're national are jerks.
3: So clearly, the shutdown was about health care, or jobs. It was about the government working. That It was about the government not, it wasn't working. Well, someone had to work. Resident historian Doug Kent Crispin was part of a group of four parents that headed up the considerable task of feeding the students during their trip. Right from the start, the plan was to feed the kids hot, wholesome food on time with their field trip schedule and with plenty of extra food for their active, cold bodies. And we are proud to say that they did just that. Meals included eggs and sausages and oatmeal every morning and featured dinners of chicken cacciatori, a burrito bar, and an evening of homemade chili and cornbread school families made for the trip ahead of time and sent in frozen gallon Ziplocs, maybe ten kinds of different delicious chilies. It made for a warm night, I'm sure. At so many steps, parents helped to keep these kids fed, whether it was in Central Oregon, Chipping in to wash dishes or chop onions, or back in Portland, sending trays of homemade cookies and brownies along for the trip. And yes, with vegan and gluten free options, because it takes a village, dude. And these children are from the village of Multnomah County. This water's really, really fucking cold. And your hands don't work so good either.
0: Uh, so I gotta get this propane going. Give this water going. Uh, the water is so cold that my drinking water, in my tent this morning, had little chunks of ice floating in it. It's that fucking cold. Uh, so yeah, I just need to get about thirty gallons of water going, uh, just so we can start getting these kids warm, want them to have hot food when they get up. So, uh,
3: so the less glamorous side of Oregon history. A resident historian discusses the logistical challenges they now faced with the change in camp locations. Yesterday we had to drive into
0: Klamath Falls uh, to get some more supplies from Cash and Carry, ran low on some sausages and shit like that. So we also, uh, before we're staying at Crater Lake State or at the uh, national park, we're gonna have water at our site. But here at the Kimball State Park, there's no water, so we had to pick up about a hundred gallons of water. Uh, luckily, Cash and Carry let us load in from their hose, but that's made it a bit more. Challenge because, you know, kids go through a lot of water every day and washing dishes and, you know, making sure they have water on their hikes and that kind of thing. So
3: imagine today we'll take another round to go get some more water, too. Well, I'm certain we will. He also had a chance to talk with other early risers over a hot beverage, like this parent of a fifth grader. This is Doug Kent Crispin, and I'm enjoying an early morning beverage with uh, Gabriel,
0: a hot beverage around the campfire. Uh, before the rest of the kitchen crew shows up to get breakfast going for the kids. And uh, Gabriel uh, was kind enough to be submitted to a few questions, so I'm going to ask him a bit. uh, Gabriel, uh, how old's your kid? Uh, Or what grade, are you? The one on this trip is in fifth grade. Fifth grade. And, you know, you've been
1: around the kids the past few days. What's their kind of general impression with the shutdown? It's not the first thing on their minds. It comes up in their discussions. I think they're frustrated to not see, to not be able to actually see Crater Lake and not get into the park, but they're engaged, with what they're busy and engaged with what they're doing. It's only, it's only when we're sitting, actively reflecting on it, or engaged in the park, that they're talking about it, thinking it through, um, and voicing their troubles. Or when, when we're driving between places, if we've been in the car long enough, the subject will get there, and they'll start trying to suss it out and figure it out but it's really it's much more um the the sense of the sense of frustration and doom and loss was greater before we actually got going on the trip and now that they're on the trip they're really really busy with everything else and so it's just it's just more of a motivating aspect of the trip rather than a detriment to it. the educational experience the students are
0: receiving then you feel um in their impression is that it's similar if they had been at Crater Lake, it's just kind of absent that national monument, I guess.
1: It's Well, it's an equally engaged educational experience. Um, I think that the, uh, the, the, the shutdown actually adds an extra dimension to it. So um, the shutdown isn't foremost in their minds all the time, but it, it changes the way they look at the life of the rangers. A big part of the trip was looking at the life of the rangers and what it means to be a ranger, and what it means to be uh, responsible for federal lands, and engage with the public. And they are getting that in an extra layer this time. So they're not. So they're gone, They've gone beyond the frustrated point for the moment to be really, really engaged in what's going on and engaged in their present. And I'm sure they'll. Once they're done with the trip, I think they'll actually be. A lot of regret and frustration that they didn't actually get to see Crater Lake. They'll tell about the trip and then at a certain point they'll go, We didn't see the lake. That's just a prediction. But no, they're very much, yeah, they're, they're very much with what's happening. No one's crying about it. They're mostly just trying to stay warm.
3: In a situation like a federal government shutdown, you utilize the resources you have at hand. And the Klamath country is logging country. So what did you do today?
6: Um, hiking in the snow, and um, well, having a snowball fight, and visiting a logging museum.
0: What did they talk about at the log?
6: Um, we were just writing down some facts. We didn't really talk about much.
0: Did you see any cool stuff there?
6: Um, yeah, there were like some cabins.
0: Old log cabins or something?
6: Yeah, like replicas of what loggers built when they were at logging camps.
3: That's rad. And of course, we couldn't have made it through this exercise without a little help from our friends, the state of Oregon.
0: I'm talking with Ranger John from Oregon State Parks here. So
9: John, thanks so much for helping us out and hosting this. You're so welcome. I'm glad you, I hope you guys had a lot of fun here at Kimball and at Collier Park.
0: So. Yeah, we had a great time, you know, and it was, you know, that we just didn't know, you know, a, a day or two before we left what was going to happen. And, you know, you were really kind of instrumental in making this all work out.
9: Well, I'm glad we helped you out as much as we could. Um, maybe next time you, we'll, we'll have more advanced notice where we can get more planned for you, and have Collier open up next time where you can stay over there and have hot showers and things like that.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you, and I uh, hope, hope you enjoy your sausage. Man.
9: Oh, I am enjoying the heck out of it. We do pretty good Thank you very much for feeding me today, and like and I hope you guys have a safe trip going back yeah. home. Yeah. And I'm glad to see you guys having all this fun, i enjoying seeing our campground full. This is amazing. It's a sea of tents that you've got here. Yeah, what's the capacity usually here? Uh, well, we've got 15 sites here and eight probably about four to eight tenths of site so so we kind of maxed it out you've maxed it way out but that's okay with us we got people in here
0: and again i want to thank you you know bringing the porta potties and all the extra services and the daily trash run and everything it's been fantastic
9: oh you're so welcome i'm glad we could do it for you that's what oregon state parks are here for we're here to serve the public And um, I'm glad we got to get you over here at the museum at Collier because that's the fun part of seeing the logging history from man to to equipment and everyday life. Thanks, John. You're welcome. It
3: It was amazing to see the whole operation as it played out. Children being educated, entertained, and well-fed, dealing with the reality of a federal government that can't keep its shit together rolling with the punches, running with the hand that was dealt them, all those goofy fucking cliches in spades. Frank, one of the other cooks, chatted about it with the resident historian at the end of the trip.
0: All right, so Frank, you and I have been cooking for the, for the kids all day, every day making supply runs. Yeah, know. pretty much. It feels a little bit like Stockholm
4: Syndrome, that I've been kidnapped by 100 children and not released until I've given them so much food that they will burst.
0: And they're about at the
4: bursting point. I think they are about the bursting point. I mean, some of
5: them couldn't get out of their tents this morning.
0: So what do you think? I mean, you know, the plan changed quite a bit. You know, Crater Lake was out uh, because the feds closed it down. What do you think about the experience for the kids? I
5: think it's been wonderful. I think that the important thing is that they they understand nothing about politics like most of North America. So nobody really knows what's going on.
3: We also checked in with Teacher Ned to see how he thought things went. So um,
0: I'm talking with Ned the teacher again. And uh, how are you doing? I'm good. Good breakfast? Yeah, I got a
4: little... uh, a little rock hail here and some eggs and some nice uh, brown turkey sausage. Looking good. Excellent. Good, yep. good. Well, we're the last day, last
0: breakfast. We're getting everybody packed up. Do you got a brief little summation? I know you can't you know, really sum it up in a sentence or two, but...
4: Well, it's really about just children who are so willing to do the work and they're so... It, they love each other, and they, they really love the outdoors, and they did a great job. This was hardship. This was a hardship. It was cold, and uh, they were away from home. They were away from their families, um, but they were so game. They were really, really troopers. I really appreciate them, but the trip, we got thwarted at every turn, but my friend Holt, my teacher friend Holt, or, uh, Craig Holt said, that the uh, field trip goddess was was, uh, smiling on us the whole time because, I mean, we would come across a roadblock and then an opportunity would be presented. And then we'd come across another roadblock in our plans and an opportunity would be presented. The children have really really learned to be flexible, and uh, it's been a fantastic trip just for that. Excellent. Well, it sounds like I need
0: to get back to some kitchen duties. (laughs) Sounds like it. (laughs) Thanks, Ned.
3: (laughs) Maybe future historian Max Kank Crispin summed it up best.
10: How come
0: you guys weren't able to go to Crater Lake National Park?
6: Um, Because of the government shutdown and um, we couldn't. Because the government shut down, I guess.
0: Do you know why the government shut down?
6: Um, they were in the argument about, like, Obamacare and when it should start.
0: What well, do you think about
6: um, that? Well, health care.
0: What do you think about that?
6: Um, It's kind of upsetting that we didn't get to go to Crater Lake, when this trip was going about was about going to Crater Lake.
0: Do you think it's uh, any less of a
6: good experience or anything like that? I think it's still fun, but I would have liked to see Crater Lake.
0: Hey, Feds, fuck you. I don't need you telling a bunch of 10, 11, and 12-year-olds that they aren't allowed to visit one of Oregon's natural treasures. I don't mean to get all cascady on your ass, Mr. Federal Government, but who the fuck do you think you are? Oh, it's a national park, so the kids who live in the state of Oregon can't learn about their beloved region and come visit it? Is it because you can't afford the upkeep? Well, shit, give it back to us. We'll take real good care of it. I know a hundred little helpers who would love to assist with the upkeep of such a treasure. They've been studying the task, in fact. I have a little idea. Why not turn off your goddamn war machine for a day or two? Hell, even just for a few hours. Ground all the drones and all your other death planes that patrol the skies over Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, and the list could go on and on. How about you furlough those fuckers? My guess is that if you stop dumping our dollars into this endless war on terror, even for just a few hours, we would have more than enough money to allow a hundred school children to visit a national park in our beloved state
8: of Oregon. There's a man going around taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden letter reaching down. When the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up. Thank you for listening, ass kickers.
3: And be on the lookout for future podcasts from orhistory.com. We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded edited and produced by Doug Kank-Crispin and Andy Lindberg. Citations are available on request. Kick-Ass Oregon History is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. We're also on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more Kick-Ass Oregon history in your life? Learn more at orhistory.com just don't get too close to mr K crispin he's a stone cold hippie and he wants people to have health care you stay historic oregon
8: and kick ass it's hard for thee to kick against the priest. till armageddon no shalom no shalom Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down when the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks in measured 100 weight and penny pound. That set on him was death, and hell followed with him.
3: OR History.com
4: So it goes like this. Oh, senor dongato was a cat. Oh, I'm, I'm reading this song. Yeah. Oh, senor <laughs> dongato
2: was a cat. Do cat, do cat. cat. No,
4: no, no. Hey, sixth grade. Here's the direction. Six grade. When our hands this is are a us. repeat after me, so. That means you're, gonna, you're not going to sing gonna Have my hands up. Thank you. <laughs> oh, senor dongato was a cat. Was a cat. Oh,
2: senor dongato was, was a cat. On a high red no, 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 roof is where he sat. sat. On a high red roof, that's it where he sat. He was there to read a letter, meow meow meow.
6: He was there to read a letter,
2: meow meow meow. Where the reading light was better, meow meow meow. Where the reading light was better, meow meow meow. The was, better, meow, meow, meow. was a long, no a poor, young gatto. Twas a long,
4: a poor, young gatto. Oh, don't I God, gatto, I adore. Or oh, you wrote the lady cat.
2: Fluffy white and and nice and fat. Who was fluffy white and nice and fat. There was not a sweeter kitty, meow meow meow. There was not a sweeter kitty, meow meow meow. In the country or the city, meow meow meow. In the country or the city, meow meow meow. And she said she weighed don't got And she said she weighed don't got toes. Hey, don't got toes. So happily, the jumped so happily. He fell off the roof and, and broke his knee. He fell off the roof and broke his knee. He no. And his legs and all his whiskers, meow, no, meow, no, meow. No, and no, his no. legs and all his whiskers, meow, meow, meow. And his little solar plexus, meow, no, meow. No, 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 no. And his little solar plexus, meow, meow, meow. I colombo cried, Gato. A rub, a pride, and cried, "The gato. And the doctors all came on the run. Yeah. And the doctors all came on the run. Just to see if something could be done. Just to see if something could be done. And they held a consultation, meow, meow, meow. And they held a consultation, meow, meow, meow. About how to save their patience, yum yum, <laughs> yum. About how, how to save their patience, <laughs> How to say senor no, how to say senor But in spite, tried, in spite of everything they tried. But in spite of everything they try. Oh senor, don't up and down. Oh senor, don't up and down.
7: And it wasn't
2: very merry, meow meow meow. meow. And it wasn't very merry, merry, meow meow meow. meow. Going to the cemetery, meow meow meow. Going going to the cemetery, meow meow meow. For the ending of
7: the the gato. For the ending of the gato.
2: As the funeral passed the the market square. As As the funeral
10: passed the market square.
2: Such a smell of fish. Was,
10: was in the
2: air. air such a smell of fish was in, in the air though the funeral was slated meow 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 though <laughs> the funeral was slated meow <laughs> meow meow he became reality he became reality meow 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 and back
4: Uh, you have one more song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. you go for it. You go for
2: it. You both do it at the same time. (laughs)
3: Our own resident historian was provided an opportunity to share some exciting stories from Oregon's past each night at Campfire. And while they lacked the F bombs and other naughty words that often accompany his and while they lacked the F bombs and other naughty words that often accompany his presentations, you can't say that shit in front of kids. They were kick-ass examples of Oregon history. Listen into a few clips from his talks and imagine, if you will, where the fuck words would go. He tried to put the scope of the great flood in an accessible manner it was the mood of the closure, but he got a little Cascadian on their little asses. Japanese balloon bombs were on the menu, but his finest performance was on the second night when he told the story of the Roseburg Blast.
2: Grandma, when she comes, blue, blue over. 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 It will well, we'll uh, have to sleep with Grandma when she comes, move over. It will have to sleep with Grandma, it will have to sleep with Grandma, it will have to sleep with Grandma when she comes, move over. Upstart, yum, yum, chop, chop, high, big back, two, two. Have a great big party when she comes.
1: Bonnie was a warrior, Way-a. a warrior and a terrier. John Francois, Boney fought the Russians. The Russians and the Prussians. Francois, Bonnie went to Moscow. Way-a. Lost his army in the snow. John Francois, Bonnie fought at Waterloo. Way-a. There he got his overthrow. Quent Francois. Away in St. Helena. Hey, hey yeah. Boney broke his heart and died. Quent Francois. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Wow.
2: Okay. Oh, no.
0: Hello everybody, my name is Doug Kent Crispin and when I'm not out uh, cooking eggs in the morning for 150, um, I do some historian-y type stuff at different venues around town. And what I like to do is I like to tell fun, weird stories of Oregon's past. So I thought coming down today, it rained a lot. Did you guys see the rain today when you were driving down? It was just kind of non-stop rain. And then it got me thinking about this weekend. Were any of you guys around in Portland this weekend? Yeah. And uh, what did it do all weekend long? Rain. It <laughs> rained, and it rained, and it rained. And, you know, your teachers asked me if I might uh, share a story or two. Uh, and I'm going to be sharing a story each night. And I thought tonight we might talk about a big, big flood. There was a flood in Portland that was very big. It was so big that they called it the Great Flood, because it was like a great big flood. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. You see, it's difficult for us to think about the Columbia River. Can everybody picture the Columbia River in their mind? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Columbia River is one of the most engineered rivers in the world. So in a way, it's really difficult for us to think about it as a natural river. The Columbia River, every drop of that water is regulated as it comes downstream and towards the ocean in Astoria. And it was... The water in the Willamette River rose to its highest level ever, which was 33 feet above... High water mark. So, for some of you grown-ups, if you know where Kells is downtown, imagine going in the front door and the water hitting about the six-foot mark. Going in the front door at Kells. For some of you students um, down in that kind of kind of down by Voodoo Donut area, say uh, down there by Ankeny, imagine the water at about six feet high at Voodoo That's Donut. Insane. That's about the level that the Willamette rose to. What I'd like you to do for a moment is just kind of close your eyes and again, like we talked about, picture that Columbia River and think about the fact that there are 14 dams across the Columbia right now, severing it like concrete tourniquets. Many of them are federal projects. Fish are not allowed to migrate as they have for thousands of years. Just kind of picture that natural river brown river flowing just kind of allowed to be a river i don't know if we really can uh but yeah that's just kind of what i wanted to leave you with tonight guys is uh, just picturing that columbia river with a chance to be a real live natural river and tomorrow we're going to talk about explosions
2: thanks everybody Oh, we okay, so, oh, let me make a transition to our campfire from the, from the, rock. Oh, Alright. Thank you. We're ready for another story from the history of
4: Oregon. Please welcome Doug.
2: Yeah.
0: You, you, you guys hold on so everybody remember last night I told you that I was going to tell you another explosion story no, no. so have you guys ever heard of a thing called World War two okay all right so we're, we're on we're on the same page there so in World War two the skies over Oregon were filled with with balloons with bombs attached to them. So I bet you're asking, how did this happen, Doug? Well, well, let me tell you, I'll, I'll tell you right here. The Japanese Imperial Army had this crazy idea. Why not send balloons across the Pacific Ocean to North America with bombs attached to them. And you know what? They did just that.
2: Doug Hank
4: Crispin, Bedtime Stories of Oregon. With Doug
0: Hank Crispin. There you go, Doug. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, students all, Bedtime Stories of Oregon. I like that very much. I've got some notes, so please pardon my little uh, flashlight because I have some statistics tonight to give you. Because we are going to be talking about, as I promised you, one of the most explosive stories in Oregon's history. Now as you guys were driving down here, did you happen to see on the mile marker signs the town of Roseburg? Yeah. yeah okay, okay, so you have heard of Roseburg. On August 7th, 1959 <laughs> at 1.10 a.m. in the morning, Roseburg exploded. That's right. I know you're saying, how did this happen, Doug? Right?
2: <laughs> how, did how did this happen, Doug? Exactly
0: what I was looking for. Thank you. I will give you a little little treat tomorrow. Uh, well, I give you a treat every morning. I cook, right? So, there was a guy. His name was George Rutherford. And George Rutherford was driving a delivery truck south of Roseburg. But as often happens when one finds oneself in Roseburg, Mr. Rutherford became... Sleepy, So he decided that he would park his delivery truck and go spend the night in a hotel. Mr. Rutherford did just that. The problem, the problem was in the delivery truck was four and a half tons of diesel fuel and ammonium nitrate.
2: (laughs) Ladies
0: and gentlemen, adults, the Oklahoma City bombing was only three tons of these mixtures. So this is 50% more. So, Mr. Rutherford parked the truck next to a building supply company and went to have a nice little slumber in the hotel down the street. The problem was the building supply company had many barrels of paint thinner, which caught on fire directly next to his truck. Can you guys figure out what happened? Boom, right? Let's hear a big boom!
2: Boom!
0: THIS IS THE QUIET PART OF CAMPFIRE! Let's hear the quietest boom Roseburg could ever create.
2: Oh, that's nice, I
0: appreciate the quietness. I think Roseburg delivers, deserves something a little between the two. There we go, I like that, That's that's pretty good. Boom, okay. So, the explosion occurred. Thirty city blocks were damaged. Eight city blocks were totally destroyed. The Coca-Cola Bottling Company, the bottling plant was gone, as was Central Junior High School. I'm sure you guys are crying over that. Uh, The (laughs) blast left a hole 12 feet deep and 52 feet in diameter, windows nine miles away, shattered. And the blast was heard 30 miles away from Roseburg. Adults in the crowd, there was a 300-foot mushroom cloud, and folks oh. thought the Soviets had dropped an A-bomb
1: <laughs> yeah, on oh. Roseburg. Oh. Um, so. <laughs> Unfortunately, it isn't all fun of games.
0: 14 people did indeed die in the Roseburg glasses. It thought that many more would have died if it hadn't been so late at night, as the building supply fire had caused a little bit of a commotion, and folks might have gone out to see that. So only 14 people died, nonetheless it is still regarded as one of the greatest disasters in Oregon's history. Now, one of my favorite vignettes is Jack West, the man who was a jeweler, who owned a jewelry shop inside the Umpqua Hotel. The Oregonian reporter went to Roseburg the next day. Mr. West was on his hands and knees, digging through the shards of glass in front of his hotel, trying to find the diamonds that were blown from the display case that he couldn't separate. the shards there so Roseburg just kept on going and if you guys are ever driving a truck in your future lives with ammonium nitrate and diesel fuel in it please just keep passing through Roseburg Uh, they've kind of been through enough uh, at this point so tomorrow I'll be back again and I am going to talk Again, about more explosions in Oregon's past. We've got a little good thing going here, kids. So uh, this one will be balloons that
2: explode.
0: So, yeah, I'll I'll let you think about that. And uh, thanks again, everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you.